You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And now that heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to, that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out all trouble and drum. Beat out all trouble and drum. Beat out all trouble and drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. And kick all trouble out the door, kick him 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 out the door. Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. My name is Joseph Toscano, and on the other side of the screen, which has been removed, is Ha Ha Kelly. Ha ha. <laughs> Uh-huh. Short that's, for that's HA. Me. That's me. From Short for HA. Forward, let it be known. Yeah. Going forward. HA. Ha ha. Kelly. What does it mean? Higher authority. Higher authority. Excuse me. Ha ha. Could you actually say a word for the woman to the woman upstairs about my situation? Goddess. Miss Goddess. Yeah. What do you want me to say to her? Uh, that I prefer to go to hell than spend the rest of my life with her. Okay. I'll tell her. <laughs> Thank I'll you. I'll see you. Seeing her later. All right. Now, Robert Wolfgram is our guest, and I'm not going to talk to him for 56 minutes because he has made my life a misery when he came in and he called Kelly a higher authority because without her, there would be no program, there'd be no guests, there'd be no voice, there'd be no radio. You're right, Robert. She's the higher authority. (laughs) Welcome, Robert. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Joe. Uh, now, have you ever spoken to somebody for 56 minutes, excluding your wife? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, without an ad or interruption or a toilet break? Yeah, yeah. Lectures. Uh, lectures, lectures. lectures. Oh, yeah, lectures do that, yeah. Now, Robert, I hate to tell you this. Obviously, you're a radio virgin. Yeah. You've actually got to look at the bloody microphone. Because okay. when you swivel... Yep. We can't hear you. I see. You can okay. also look at me if you want, if, if you want to right. escape, Joe. You can look at me occasionally. Oh. Uh, <laughs> look, he likes to look at me because he can see a mirror image. Okay. We're both dark beards. and we're bearded, yeah. and we got right. Um, right. scruffy right. hair. Beards. And I didn't, I didn't, didn't bring my lumberjack top on, which you've got today, Robert. <laughs> now, Robert, yeah. what year were you born? Nineteen fifty-two. Fifty-two. You know, time. you know, haha, Kelly was right. She said he sounded about he sounded about your age, Joe. You know, he wasn't far he, off. Yeah, right? yeah. She says, you know, he sounded as feeble as you do. I did That's not say that. I did not say that. What's your that. year? No, no. I'd ask the question, Sunny Sorry, boy. Joe. That's the way it goes. Fifty-one. Fifty-one. Oh, well, Fifty-one. Yeah. So respect your elders. Just remember that, Robert. Uh, yeah. Okay. Where were you born? Fiji. Fiji. Mm. Where in Fiji? Uh, in. Mrs. Morrison's maternity ward 
in the Colonial War Memorial Hospital right. in Suva. So you were born before independence. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I was born in <laughs> the heyday of empire and colony. Mm. It doesn't seem to have changed much in Fiji these days. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk about that later on. Okay, yeah. So did you know who Mrs Morrison was? I didn't. I no. didn't. I think she obviously was some pioneering imperialist yeah. nurse or yeah. someone, you yeah. know, and they yeah. named the ward after her. Mm. But I grew up in the highlands in right. a village called Koro'o, mm. which means village in the clouds. Yeah. So are you, uh, are you the first in the family? or I, I was the first mm. boy right. of... Seventeen children. Seventeen. Mm. Your wife, not your wife. Your husband didn't ever hear him, did he? <laughs> My father. Yeah. You said his his husband. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you've had one too many coffees. I have today. Yes. Yeah. My father had uh, a few wives. A few wives. Yep. Yep. In the traditional, traditional island way yep. manner, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I have two older sisters and then I was born. Then you were born, mm. right. Same, the 17 kids, same mothers? Or no, no, no. F- five different mothers. Five different mothers. And yeah. This is, this is, and would you all live in the, you and your brothers and sisters, would you no. all live in the same hut? No, or what? no. I, I was taken away from that um, situation. Right. To... Grow up under the care and tutelage of my Jewish Tongan grandfather, mm-hmm. who was a bit wasn't too keen on what my father was sort of up to. Right. So he he abducted me from any chance of growing up under my father. Right. And he became my father. And what did your mum think of that? Well, uh, she didn't have a say because no say, in right. the island. Mm-hmm. System, right? Um, that's you know patriarchal, mm-hmm. and she just had to go along with it. Mm. She could have um, run away with my father, mm-hmm. but given that he was not um, committed to a singular relationship, right? But believed in plurality. Oh, yep, yep. He wasn't deemed right. good marrying mm. material. Though they did get married, but um, mm, right. what's the word for running away with your... Elope. Elope, Elope. yes. Yeah. Yes, I asked her about that. She mm. said, no, it didn't come into the equation. The, into mm. the equation. Now, you, you mentioned something interesting, because mm. I usually find most guests pretty boring, and mm-hmm. Robert, you are not boring, I can tell okay. you that. <laughs> now, you mentioned a Tongan Jewish... Grandfather. grandfather. What yes. is a Tongan Jewish grandfather doing in Fiji yeah. and how did he get there? Yes. Well, that's quite a story, Joe. He, His mother was uh, a Jewish woman called Henrietta Blumenfeld mm-hmm. and she was the daughter of the Tongan consul, in uh, the, the Jewish American consul, sorry, in Tonga at the time. Right. And my father was... Um, a German tongue, and hence the Wolfgram. Mm-hmm. His his grandfather had come from pirates in now in Poland. I actually been to the ancestral Wolfgram village. Mm-hmm. It's 
It's a bit bigger than uh, Vavau, which is where he settled, the, the pioneering ancestor. Right. But my Tongan Jewish grandfather could have grown up with his mother, but his father was a, a lay preacher in the king's church. So in Tonga, in that system, the king has his church. Right. And uh, he was a lay preacher in the king's church, uh, which is Methodist. Mm -hmm. And he decided my grandfather showed some initiative and spark that he didn't think he thought might be wasted in the islands. Right. So what did he do with it? So the story goes, Mm -hmm. and... you know, we live by our family fictions. Yeah. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. These are family These stories. Fic- yes, so yeah. I, the story goes. Yeah. yeah. Which we all hold to because yeah. we have no other option. But yeah. the story goes, he threw him onto a missionary's boat as the missionary family were departing for New Zealand. Right. And it's it's like it's not unlikely. You mm, know, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. But obviously, all the people who who can tell us otherwise but uh, that's the story he was thrown onto the boat and the with the shouting out to the missionaries take him with you please look after him yep mm. which must have been traumatic for wow. his mother if <laughs> his right. father was you know that yeah. sort of tough like, patriarchal yeah. sort of thing yeah. uh, and so they did they took him with them to New Zealand and and raised him as foster parents. I'm talking about a family called the Stuarts who happened to be Seventh-day Adventist missionaries. So he his father was a Methodist Wesleyan, yep. uh, is the better word, mm. missionary. But he thought, here's a chance. I'll give him a way to be... Mm. Um, educated by these missionary people, and he was. And he grew up calling them mum and dad. They were a family called the Stuarts, a well-known pioneering Adventist missionary family in the Pacific. Mm -hmm. Worked in Tonga and in what is now Vanuatu, was New Hebrides. Yep. And, you know, he he became a, a huge... He and his brother, there were two families, both brothers from country Victoria. Right. Young men with their wives yep. in the islands mm. more than 100 years ago. I mean, yep. Yep. I, I can't imagine doing that, Joe, but no, that's, well, that's look, what they did. I tell you, being a missionary was much more exciting than farm work. <laughs> I can assure you. <laughs> That's that's right. I'm being serious. Right. It's the way you travel. That's right. Yeah. Saw the world. And so they raised him in New Zealand. Yep. Australia, he they sent him to the church college, which is still going. It's now Avondale University in near Newcastle in New South Wales, and he sent it, and they sent him back to the islands as a trained Tongan English speaking missionary. He met his Fijian wife, my mother's mother, my grandmother, and so she was my mum. Mm-hmm. And he was my dad right. growing up in their family. And I didn't see either my mother or my father much at all 
Right. In fact, I never saw my father. Right. We only wrote letters and spoke on the telephone. Last spoke in 1990. Mm. So how, how, how tough was your grandfather? He was tough. Yeah. Yeah, he gave me one belting. Right. And, and I thought to myself, I'm never going to get belted again. Right. <laughs> and, um, so did you either beat him up or were you a good boy yeah, after that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was, one? I was a good boy <laughs> right. after that. Yeah. He circumcised me on the floor of his bedroom right. with his cousin. Uh-huh. Uh, that was the traditional island way. Right. With a, his cousin, fortunately, was a doctor. Right. So a Tongan medico. Yep. And did it with a scalpel mm. and a bag of New Zealand apples, Joe. Right. When I screamed. screamed yeah. yeah. I was uh, I was about nine years old. Nine years old. Yeah. yeah. No anaesthetic. No. Just two uncles to hold my legs down. Yep. He held my head and my shoulders. Mm. As my mm. uncle cut away because circumcision is not well Jewish, of course, but yep. it's also island. Right in the Pacific, males are circumcised, and when the missionaries found that, who first went there at the beginning of the 19th century, they were amazed. Yeah, they, you know, they said, the, "Where does this come from?" Yeah, they the lost tribe. Right. Yeah, that's what they would have thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I've spoken to Israelis today yeah. who still. Will tell tell me that you know mm. they tell me that. yeah you're the lost tribe. people are the lost <laughs> tribes that's right oh okay yeah. you know because uh, yeah, like people that. assumed that the missionaries brought that yeah to the islands but they didn't it was already right. standard practice in the manner that I've described yeah yeah well you have a drink don't worry <laughs> I'll, I'll fill in the time did um did your, he was tough to yeah. get back to your did, did your grandparents kidnap any other Kids? No, but no. they were given the job of being extended family caretakers. Right. So whenever kids' uh, relatives needed an education, they were both trained teachers. Whenever they needed education, primary school age, they were sent from our ancestral islands mm-hmm. into our household, right. wherever we were, mm. to be cared for by my grandparents mm. who raised them as, you know. So what, they'd be there months, years? Yeah. yeah. Well, every school holidays, they'd go back home to their to their islands right, or to the ancestral island. Mm. I'd go with them sometimes, right. most times. Right. And that was a break away from the stern discipline mm. Of, mm. of being raised in this strict... Adventist missionary mm. family. Mm. How did you cope without not being able to eat prawns and <laughs> all those wonderful things you were surrounded with, well, which were traditional food? Our ancestral <laughs> island is the island of Gamer. <laughs> and I went one school holidays, I don't know what age I was, yeah. and I had one, an Auntie Jean there. Mm. And she was... D, you know, getting all the crab meat out of the crab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For dinner that night. Mm. I still can see her in my mind sitting there 
and laughing at me because <laughs> I, she was doing something that looked absolutely delicious. Right. All these cooked lyro, we call them. That's right. And and she was laughing at me because she knew I couldn't Eat have them. any. That's right. Have any of they were scavengers, lad. They were scavengers. But I, I made her give me some. Did you? And I haven't looked back. You haven't looked back. <laughs> All right. So how long, how many years did you stay with your grandparents? Till I was 11. And then what happened? Came to Australia. How come you came to Australia? Boarding school, because he had. Right. And because, you know, being the eldest of the male line, Mm -hmm. you get privileges that, you know, my sisters eventually got, but I was the first cab off the rank. Right. So where was boarding school? In Sydney. I was to go to an Adventist boarding school, but the headmaster of the Sydney Adventist High School, which was in Strathfield, he lived in Pimble on the North Shore, and I had to go meet him. And I remember my mother and stepfather took me to, they were living in Sydney, took me to meet his family. And... And uh, we got along. He, he liked me. I was yep. 11. Mm-hmm. And I liked him and his wife and children. And he he then told my parents that he wanted to... to I was welcome to board in his house with them mm-hmm. if they w- would prefer that rather than send me into the boarding school. So I ended up doing it in... Everything changed, Joe. My life changed. He was, he was a cellist, with a very pro-China, liberal. I've never met another Adventist like him. Right. But he had obviously, he was a man of the world. Even while he was the headmaster of this very strict school, school. Mm. and he introduced me to music. The only music I knew was a ukulele, right? <laughs> and he played a cello. Uh, I thought, "What the hell is that thing?" Yeah. You know, and then took us to yeah. Sydney Town Hall to hear classical concerts, yeah. rehearsals by the Sydney. I reckon. I reckon. Wow. I reckon he was a secret member of the Australian Communist Party <laughs> in those days. You hey, know, I'm, I'm not joking. You know, he subscribed to China Pictorial. Yes, that's that right. Magnificent yeah. collab yeah. in the fifties. In, in the sixties. Yeah, I, right. I can remember it. Mm. I used to wait for it to come yeah. so I could read through it. It yeah. was just a, a great thing. And these are pre-cultural revolution Revolution, years and his wife was a very lovely but conservative Adventist woman used to be terrified when this turned (laughs) up she'd put it out of view (laughs) so other people wouldn't see it when they came yeah Yeah, and to this day I don't know why he but that that gives you an inclination well, an idea well, of where, where his well, politics Well, in lay. the early 60s, he would have been, what, 11, 62, 63, the Communist Party was still going strong. See? Uh, although they'd been hungry 56, it was still going strong. So there mm. may have been some influence at some stage as an Adventist. Yeah, definitely. Mm. He's the most uh, left-wing fellow because Adventists vote liberal. Yeah. You yeah, know, they, yeah. they, if ever they were in politics, they'd yeah. run as liberals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or they vote liberal, eat wheat bix. Yeah, yeah. Avoid yeah. Brits. I yeah. Don't know which one. Well, you know, yeah. all good people, but that's what they were. They yeah. were mm. wheat bix people. Yeah. Mm. So, how many years did you spend there? 
I lived with them from 64, 5, 6, 7. Right. Four uh, years. And after that, the world... Then I, I, then I decided I should finish my last three years at boarding school. Right. And that changed my life again, of course, because then I was free to read the histories, modern history, 18th century history, Australian history, did all these subjects yep. for my year 12 in 1970. Right. And I realised I just loved the histories. I also discovered Marx... Mm. And the utopian socialists, yep. believe it or not, in the school library, mm. uh, boarding school library. And uh, and I thought, wow, I think these guys, and it's the 60s, you know. That's right, yeah, it's, things are changing. And, yeah, and I heard, we weren't allowed to have radios or television at the boarding school, but I heard or read in, a newspaper would come and arrive in the afternoons. And those of us who were, more interested in world events, Vietnam, anti-war, protests, all that was going on. I saw that this fellow Jim Cairns was having a moratorium mm. May, yep. early 1970, and I just made up my mind that I was going to run away from boarding school, school that day and go and participate in that. Right. By that time, I'd had enough conscientization is yep. the word consciousness yeah yes yeah. my consciousness had been a, you know awoken enough expanded awoken yes. whatever yeah so i asked a few mates hey we go to this yeah no no it's all right it's all right <laughs> so i did i ran away i came into town melbourne yeah. and it blew my mind i, I could hardly see the crowd was yeah, so big big yeah and and i was expecting young students a la the sort of American media images of protests yeah. on university campuses. No, it was wall-to-wall trade unionists in big duffel coats and, yeah. and it looked like a working-class army, you know. Mm. And I, I, the only way I could see was climb up on the pillar steps of the post office yep. in Burke Street mm. on the corner and I hung on so I could look out over the crowd, crowd. and I was just... I'm sure there must... I was converted. I'm you know. sure there must have been a picture of you somewhere <laughs> hanging onto that pillar because I... I wish there was. I'm sure there is. We never thought of photos back then, No, did we? No, no, no. We, just, we just did the thing. It wasn't about... Mm. Uh, and, you know, I went yeah. back to, to boarding school thinking I was going to get expelled. Yep. And the principal said, oh, did you? Mm. Okay, and that, that well, was it. No more. Nothing well, more. Yeah. Well, at least with the same Seventh Day Adventists, they've always been against war and conscription, and and obviously conscription in that period was a huge issue. Not for you because you weren't one of us. Well, it's you. Uh, were... I'll say this in their favour, Joe. <laughs> yeah. They started out in America as yeah. an anti-slavery cult. That's right. Yeah. 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 So they were all abolitionists. Right. Mm. So you finished high school. Where did I you, did. Where did you go? So I didn't know what to do, but the principal of the boarding school said, I'll get you into the Adventist Theological College mm. and you can decide what you want to do there. So I thought I'll do theology and teaching, mm -hmm. a double. You yep. could be a missionary teacher, mm -hmm. like my grandfather. Right. Wasn't to be. After three years, I was... a out. You were, you were expelled or did you run away? Well, they gave me the, the option. Oh, yeah. right. You well, leave or, you, or well, we'll kick you well, out. You hadn't discovered women, had you? Yes. Yes, right. I had. 
<laughs> That's presumptuous. Well, no, 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 no. I know the period. You weren't even born then, so just keep to yourself. Uh, ha, ha. All right. Well, well, yeah, I ha, ha. That's what he. That's what I, he, had a, yeah. I had a girlfriend. Yeah. We got married yeah. in in seventy three. Yep. And uh, my oldest child was born in in January seventy four. Mm. I've had eight children altogether. Mm-hmm. Four boys, four girls. Mm. How many? How many? They're all grown up. How many wives? Can I ask? Uh, two wives. Two wives. Two All right. Wives. So you weren't as weren't as uh, no. shall, as amorous as your no. father, right? You know, no. you know they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, <laughs> but we won't go down that path. So how did you make a living? Uh, I worked for a very dear friend of mine who mm. took pity on me when I was in boarding school, and helped pay my fees. Mm. And when I was at theological college, he helped pay, organised to sponsor me through a. And how do you get a friend like this? Yeah, I tell you, amazing. He was a wonderful man. What was, his name? And, what was his name? He and his wife, Peter and Jennifer McDougall. Right. He'd never been to the islands. They mm. just, we got on. Right. Hit it off. And they said, and so they supported me and uh, he had a house that needed building in Upper Fern Tree Gully. And I didn't have any tr- skills, obviously, I, you know. No, oh, you could have left could, before I had any. You could have prayed. <laughs> left before <laughs> I had any qualifications. You could have no. You could have prayed. The building went up. If I showed you a photo of him, Joe, you'd yeah. say that's me. He Is looked it? like you. Did he? Yeah. It could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> he was a wonderful, wonderful right. friend. He died a few years ago, right? Uh, during COVID, but uh, he he's a uh, he, he, very dear friend. He became like an older brother to me, right? He'd been through the theological college thing also. So he knew the headspace and and he knew the difficulty of starting life when you got a new young wife and a baby coming. Yeah. Mm. So he said, oh, you can work on my house and I'll pay you, mm. teach you how to build a house, which he did. He'd built a block of flats uh, as a student Mm. And then rented out those flats, flats yep. to other students. students yep. So that's the sort of fellow we're well, talking so, about. So did you, did you... 3CR is radical radio, and that means more than just alternative current affairs and political coverage. We're radical because we're an independent media outlet, owned and operated by the community. We're radical because we give communities the control of their own shows, with their own music, in their own languages. We're radical because we provide a media platform for communities to build their own power to create social change. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call us on 03 9419 8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. You're listening to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR 855 on your AM dial. This program is streaming on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Continuing construction? After three years of that, I got a job with another dear friend, uh, again through the church network, and uh, he said, you can drive truck for me. I said, okay. I didn't have my licence. That's all right. <laughs> they, you can learn how to drive through driving a truck. That's so right. I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once again, Joe, uh, I just think, wow, you know, 
there are good people in this world, and if you've had half the luck I've had of running into them and nurturing friendships... Ah, that's the key. It's not about running into people. It's, it's about, about nurturing friendships. Thank you, Joe. That's yeah, right. Because it takes effort. It takes effort. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We're quite dissimilar, mm. and we have our own private lives. But, you know, you build up a relationship through work, arguing... Drinking, fighting. All yep. that. Yep. All that. But mm. you learn trust. Mm. You know, and these were people uh, who, who, who just gave me a break. Yeah. And yeah. so for three years, I drove trucks delivering stuff mm. locally, country Victoria, and then interstate. And, um, but I always knew I'd go back to study. Right. So you went back? I did. To, to do what? I signed up for a general studies what was called general studies degree mm. at what was Caulfield Institute of Technology. Yep, yep. I had no idea what that was. But <laughs> just before I quit truck driving, <laughs> yeah. I broke down. The mm. only time I broke down in three years yes. of driving in country town Young. Yeah, yeah, I know Young. Yep. Cherry country. Yep. Orchards, New South Wales. Mm. Coming in in the evening, you know, you go through all the orchards and then you come down the hill. hill. Yeah. Uh, I was changing down gears in the truck and I heard clunk and I thought, that's not a good clunk. Anyway, I was there for a week while the local international harvester, yep. remember them? I remember them. They, it was an IH truck, so they repaired it in Young. I was, the boss said, Go and find a motel. So I went to the motel in town, just stayed there, spent my days in the young library. Right. Nobody else was there and they didn't have very many books, but they had one book on the shelf called The Burned Out District. I'll never forget it. I read it that week and went, that's what I want to be. <laughs> the, the, the author of that sees the world... The way I see it, I mm. didn't know they were a sociologist because right. there's no mention of the book being sociological right. specifically. Right. I just thought it was like an interesting historical analysis. And it's called The Burned Over District because it's about New England during the revivals in America mm. and it was how the fundamentalist preachers literally scorched the ground mm, yes. by with their preaching just and this district was you know supposedly mm. just anyway i read that book and i thought that's how i feel about religion so i applied and i was a third offer mm. third round offer yep you know what that means joe you're the bottom of the barrel. Well, no, 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 no. No, that's not the bottom of the barrel. That's, oh. that's the fifth offer. <laughs> that's the fifth, fifth offer. Yeah, okay. Well, that's where so, I, so what was the course? General studies. General studies. And, and so I had a chance of psychology, mm. sociology, mm. a thing called communication studies, mm. uh, statistics, and I took all those. So, no, not the psychology. Mm. I tried that at... Avondale, mm. and decided it, it wasn't for me. So this lead anywhere? Yeah, so I got my BA at the end of 1980, and one of the lecturers, who again I'd befriended, said, 
keep going. Don't stop. It was hot summer. Uh, I had a friend who was hiring me for cash in hand money to keep the food on the table. And uh, my friend said, come back. You've done well in your BA. I had, Mm. you know, had 20 units to do. I'd got nine distinctions and 11 high distinctions. So I figured I knew that politics and sociology was for, you, was yeah. for me. Yeah. Theology and teaching, maybe not so, no. but this definitely so what, was where so I wanted so to be. So what, you went to a master's and then a doctorate? Yeah, so well, well they, they picked me up, RMIT, mm. yeah. picked me up to tutor in Australian government and politics, right. 1981. Right. To public servants mm. was the hardest thing I've ever done, Joe. Why is that? <laughs> they they live Australian government in politics <laughs> nine to five, and then they had to come and get their diploma or degree in it at RMIT. Yeah. And I was I ah, and you're, you're a newbie. I yeah. had to try and interest them in something they knew not- all about. Yeah. 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 So I learned a lot. From those, uh, you know, being thrown in the deep end there uh, uh, of having to... So what, you've been an academic since? Well, yeah, from 81 through to the end of 2004. So what type I of... I just jumped what BA, type was MA, okay. PhD right. at La Trobe. Right, yeah. Um, and what was your PhD in? What was your thesis? It was in philosophical anthropology. Mm. That sounds interesting. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm serious. Yeah. I studied philosophy. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Very philosophical. Yeah, you could tutor her. Social philosophy. She needs tutoring. Could you explain in a kind of nutshell what that means, philosophical <laughs> anthropology? Uh, what is the meaning of uh, the self? What are we into? So I was into those identity mm. type questions in that work. At the end of the eighties, early nineties, but not in a psychological not way. Not in a psychological. Who are form. we in relation to others? To and, others, and right. how do I know who I am? Right. So the question I, I, funneled down to, was, if I claim to be a Fijian, can that have, can I substantiate that? How how do I substantiate that claim? How how is it possible? That that could possibly be true. And people paid you for this. <laughs> you, you worked at a university <laughs> till 2004, getting a good superannuation. Sounds great to me. You know, yeah. Sounds great to and me. you got paid. You, you, you know, your bloody grandfather was right. He knew that you had it in you. So, so it was, the question I ended up is, what is the ethnic self? Mm. How do I recognise it in myself? What could it possibly, what are its constituents, and so on and so forth. So mm. that's where I ended up. And I I, I didn't publish, uh, I don't think people liked the conclusion I came to, which is basically that we are the shell rather than the egg. Right, right. And we are representations of, of a self and... Whatever the noumenal, the deep inside mm. self is, mm. we can never know what that is. We are always our externalities. So, so, so you posing th- as self. Yeah. So you think ethnicity can be washed away? Oh yeah, I think it's one of the great 
social fictions of history, mm. race, ethnicity, yep. and a very damaging one. Mm. So, ironically, after I left academia, I was, you know, sort of hauled in to help various indigenous groups mm. defend their ethnic territory, right? their blood space, yep. they, their sacred selves, <laughs> which, mm. Mm. you know, yeah. That's that's just what you do in the real world. But philosophically, no, I think we're all phantoms. Mm. Look, <laughs> well, I've, I've had the same. Sorry, it's interesting. Joe. No, no, not sorry. It's interesting because most people from that period of our age, that's our belief system mm. because we're universalists, you know. Correct. We're universal. All Correct. human. We, we come from the same DNA. Yes. We come from the same mother you know, in ancient Africa, and it doesn't matter what we look like, our skin colour, our sexual preference, our gender, and this is something which people have forgotten today. It's all about self. You it know? is, yeah. and it's, it's damaging mm. the... It's wall building. Yeah. And I'm about breaking down walls, but mm. obviously I don't want to give offence to people. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go, I've been here 47 years. I'll, I'll look after you. Just give offence. <laughs> I'll deal with the I'll deal with the blowback. <laughs> you know, so that's that's there. Yeah. That's what you have to do. Yeah. You, it's you, just, it's been the bugbear of my life in radical politics the last what five decades mm. is the fracturing on the basis of what I believe. No, I know, not believe. I don't mm. believe anything. Uh, artificially created differences. You know, I mean, you know, being a doctor, cutting up people. You've all got the same bloody organs, unless there's some genetic malformation. We've got the similar DNA. It's just, it's just, yeah. Yeah. it's no different. I could cut up an Inuit, yeah. and I could cut up you, and I could yeah. cut up me, yeah. I could cut up myself, yeah. and we'd have all the same bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah. there's a reason why people cling to these identities, or there is, yeah, how survival that comes about over time. Survival, yes, survival. there are good mm. uh, functional reasons, mm. and there are. Cynical political reasons, which that those sort of, you know, the political use of ethnicity, I find is, I, I just I can't. That was one of the things that got me going because mm. I I had found in my own experience, which we've just touched on here, what Joe was referring to here, that. Universalism, you know, I, there were good people and bad people in my experience and my encounters of all types and descriptions, and it had nothing to do with the the boundaries or the the labels, the identities that people were claiming mm. uh, as important. That's right. Uh, nothing to do with that at all. Mm. Yeah, fig know. leaves. Fig leaves. Yeah, fig I leaves. I could tell you is. so many stories mm. about so many different people, mm. different ages, you know, genders. Mm. And yeah. in my own family, mm. Joe, we, my, uh, on my ancestral island, they have practiced Sunday Sabbatarianism because they're all mm. predominantly Wesleyan mm. Methodists. But you know, one Sunday, and if you're living there with us, it's compulsory, obligatory. Yeah. One thing you do first is we do church. And it doesn't matter who's in the house. Yeah. You know, we've had 
Mormons, Jehovah's Witness. Uh, mm. My family is like that. Yep. You know, uh, a, a coali- coalition of all sorts of mm. identities which we think are so important. Yeah. Uh, but really, are they? You know, no. are, are they? No. Do you believe in God? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do believe in God. Why? Uh, because the great mystery, which I cannot explain, I... Pass it on higher authority. Handball to the higher authority. Yeah. Ha, 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 Kelly, <laughs> the intermediary. <laughs> Put it away. Yeah, I, I think God yeah. is a good uh, place to go with right. those two tough questions. Right. You know, a friend of mine said, "Yeah, well, you were being, you know, um, favoured in this way and that way. What about?" Well, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer to that question. No, I, no. I can't have a. I don't have an explanation for the yeah. the good and the evil in the universe and yeah. why rain falls yeah. here and. Doesn't there, yeah, or you know, yeah, floods yeah. happen here? Or yeah, Look at this climate change thing. Every day, we've yeah. there's some disaster somewhere yeah. we're being confronted with. Well, I've been looking for meaning like everybody else. Yeah. And uh, an old mate called Harvey Buttonshaw, he was in the war, the first, second world war, he's been de- long dead. And he had all these incredible adventures, whether they were true or not, who knows? I assume they were, right? Because he got a uh, a medal of honour from the French government for his resistance work. And I, and he said, I was right. standing between two blokes, right? I was in Alamein, mm. and the bloke on the left got shot and he fell down. The bloke on the right got shot and he fell down. They were both dead and I was still standing up straight. And I said, I said, Harvey, Harvey, why? <laughs> yes. He said, plain, dumb, luck, yes. Joe. He said, yes. there's nothing yes. but luck yes. in life. That's, yes. that's the yes. meaning of life, luck. Mm-hmm. Now, getting back to you, what did you do after 2004? I was a well. This was my last year of academe, which I didn't know. I was at Monash. Oh, well, you got the sociology. Boot. No, no. Uh, I had a uh, got a uh, appointment in Fiji mm-hmm. to be a presenter at what was the and as far as I know the only international carver conference. Whoa! <laughs> uh, and uh, of course, in my in my exploration of Fijianness. Uh, yes. Carver is a part of, right? People will say mm. this is part of it, not all, but that's that's. So I knew something about it and it had uh, acquired some reputation in the circles. What drinking <laughs> yes. or the philosophy? <laughs> understanding of it and and knowing yeah. the agricultural how it, yeah. you know all about it. Can yeah. I ask you something? Yeah. I don't Fijian friend who went back to Fiji, yeah. and she said only women grow carver in Fiji. Is that correct, or is she just no, bullshitting? No, just no. pulling your leg. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the International Carver Conference, yeah. and from the, my father-in-law uh, heard that the government wanted to divest itself of some shares in the newspaper that they had the majority share uh, right. holding in, mm. called the Fiji Daily Post. Did I know any Austra- any of my Australian friends? Did I know anyone who wanted to, who might be interested in buying these shares? I said no, I don't. And then when we came back after the conference, a friend of mine, who I had some contact with earlier while at Monash, he's based at Heidelberg, mm. a guy called Alan Hickling, and he said, I said to him, 
Do you know anyone who wants to buy government shares in this newspaper that they're trying to offload? It's not very profitable from my understanding. I might be interested, he said. I said, really? Okay. So I made the connections. Yeah. And then within a week or whatever, the three of us were back in a hotel in Suva, mm. shaking hands. Right. That if my friend Alan would buy the shares, my father-in-law who had a background in journalism in Fiji yeah. media, and he was at that time the police public relations spokesman, mm. and myself, had, the three of us would be involved in right. in this newspaper. So. I made a promise that I'd look into leaving the university. I was tenured. Yep. And my boss at the time, wonderful woman, Jan Van Bobble, she said, you're mad. Yeah. What, what do you want to do that for? I said, well, I've done 20, this for 24 years, Jan, and I'm tired. Mm. Okay, well, see see what you can do. And uh, they gave me a great package and by... February 2005, I was the acting editor-in-chief, acting mm. managing editor, acting mm. proofreader, acting... And what's the newspaper called? It was called the Fiji Daily Post. Is it still going? No, it yeah. had a 20-year life right. from 1989 to, 19, uh, to 2010. Yeah, so you were... I, I saw it in its last five years. So you saw it some, some of the most, how shall I put it, Earth-shattering events in Fiji society. Right, yeah. It was... Uh, How difficult it, was it for an editor? It was fantastically exciting. Right. You know, you've worked in newspapers. No. You've got to, you've got to get a paper out tomorrow mm. that's got stuff that people want to read mm. or, or things they should read. And how are you going to find advertisers, that's people who pay for the paper, Yeah. Uh, the street sales are just cash in the pocket, pocket but yeah. if you, you you know it's it's just nightmarish after after being <laughs> cocooned in monash for you know 15 years being an academic uh, uh, where yeah. where i didn't have to think much except keep up to date with the literature and yeah. and get my lectures fresh. and occasionally pontif pontificate uh, uh, yes. yeah. uh, to every day finding enough staff yeah I had a friend who was at the age, yeah. and I said to her one, I said, we have got no subbies, no sub-editors yeah. to get the paper out for tomorrow. Is there any way I can email you the pages yeah. and you get somebody Some there? To do? She just laughed and said, well, you know, we have enough trouble finding staff here. Yes. And I soon found within a year, Joe, that that's the hardest work, mm. getting a paper out Every day yeah. is really it is, if yeah. you want stress and pressure. Yeah, that yeah. and then when the coup happened uh, in two thousand and six, that just made it impossible. Mm. So we had two good years, two thousand five, two thousand six, during which I was writing editorials, telling the military to shut up, and mind their own business, mm. and let the elected government carry on, uh, warts and all. Mm. But they wouldn't. And so Barney Marama did his coup in 5th of December 2006 mm. Mm. and that that hit us badly. He, all sorts of bans and, and pressures came to, not necessarily from him but yeah. from the military. Yeah. Then within three years, seven, eight and nine, mm. we were having bomb threats every few months. We had... 
lawsuits. Yeah. It just the advertising dollars <laughs> dried, dried up, up because yeah. you don't want to be advertising with those people. Yeah, They're offside right. with the regime. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you've ever lived under a regime yeah. or tried to, yeah. that's decided you're blacklisted. They confiscated my passport. Mm. I was hauled up to the barracks, one mm. of the first to go up there. Mm. Uh, but they didn't deport me like they said they were going to. Uh, and I survived till the end of 2014. So I was there for 10 not, years. Not bad. So when, when didn't you meet your... I mean, when I met we met in we've been together thirty three years. Yeah, what's year. what's your poor, Lupe? What's her name? Lupe. Lupe. Yeah. yeah, she's what a nice name. Yeah, she's sitting listening to this. I hope so. Uh, I, hope I, you I, I did. I sleep. She's <laughs> heard all this so many times. That's your friend that you came with today. That's yeah. his wife. <laughs> friend. Oh, it's his oh come on. Oh, well, He's got lots of friends. He's got a wife as well as a. Well, I don't know about that. That's right, Robert, isn't it? That's right. Best friend. Yeah. Uh, no, God, yeah. this is pathetic. So I, I survived that, Joe. Right. And uh, came back yeah. at the end of 2014. Yep. And have been here ever since, nearly 10 years. So, so what, year. Uh, mm. we, we've only got a f- about four or five minutes. Mm. When did you get involved with this West Papuan crowd? Oh, Joe, what a... What a back in 2000. Mm. Back in 1999, I met a woman called Louise Byrne. Oh, you poor thing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Louise. (laughs) But um, she was organising or part of a conference supporting East Timor's uh, resistance, Janana Guzmao. And uh, I'd had a, a brief encounter with West Papuan mm. sentiment in 1966 yeah. when I sat next to a West Papuan, a West Papua file. Yep. Is that the word? A Papua yeah. file. Yep. He was a world-famous virologist who got, mm. got a, a Nobel Prize for it mm. eventually. Mm. But he was the first to, I was a high school student, yep. to tell me about his son Ivan Bagintao that he'd adopted and mm. from West Papua and the work that he was doing. Mm. Never thought about it until yeah. I started teaching right. ethnicity and minorities. So, at, so at I'm, gonna, I'm going to interrupt because yep. we've got a few minutes now. Are you involved in this thing on the 17th? Ah, yes, I am. What are you doing? Uh, talking. Talking. Yes, What's I your am. topic? Details, please. What's the event? And- excuse me. Excuse just <laughs> Ha, ha. You just sit there. Let us blokes sort it out. Okay. So all I was going to say, I've been held captive by Louise and Jacob since 2000. Right. So, so what, what, what's the topic? The topic is uh, what the Pacific needs to do to support West Papua. Right. right. Because they're, they are so lackadaisical. Oh, yeah, especially that spearhead group. Oh, God. <laughs> They're a bloody disgrace, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Shocking, Joe. Yeah. I'm going to say some things about that. the political situation right. in the Pacific yeah. and what needs to be done yep. to bring the Pacific, but not just the Pacific. Uh, well, I include Australia yep. and New Zealand and all the big superpowers yep. that are around the rim of the Pacific. It's just a disgrace well, look, that West Papua has been allowed to continue <sighs> like it has for sixty years. Yeah, look, I'll I'll be pleased to see you there because obviously this is on the uh, Sunday, the seventeenth of September. It is lunch at one p.m. 
free to West Park, free to West West Park and rent collective supporters, and yeah. others can you know fork up a bit of cash. Yeah. And then after lunch, we listen to Roberto tell us the good things, and I assume Jacob Hopefully. will say a few words. Hopefully. And then after that will come the light relief when I do a the auction to try That's to raise more money. That's it. <laughs> We've got handmade <laughs> goods. But uh, look, it's at 838 Collins Street. That's right, Collins Street, Docklands. You just get off at 838 on the tram and you walk around the back. Don't try to get through the door at the front because it's locked. You walk down the back. That's where the meeting room is. That's where lunch is held. That's where people congregate. And we want everybody listening to this program today to make the effort. You don't have to ring anybody. You don't have to bring any money. Just turn up and learn about what's happening in West Papua today. Uh, amen. Thank amen. you, Joe. Now, Robert, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Joe. Before you do your yeah. goodbyes, you, do you have a, a, a social media profile you'd like people to no. follow? No. no I, He's old school. I'm old school. I'm not yeah. a... That's yeah. cool. Thought I'd better check. Thank you. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Thank look, you, I, I like this bloke. I like him too. You know, Best guest you know, this year, I reckon. Yeah, it's like you know when Muhammad Ali and uh, Bert Newton. I like this bloke. I like this boy. Bang, you know. <laughs> yeah. Look, Robert, it'll Thank be a pleasure you, listening to you. You've obviously got a lot of experience, and it's wonderful that you can share it. And it's wonderful that you're supporting the West Papua Independence Movement because if there's any group in the world that needs support that nobody supports, yeah, yeah. it's West Papua, yes. and uh, hopefully all our listeners who can, just turn up, 838 mm. Collins Street, Docklands, easy to get to, get off the tram, get off the bus, walk down there, beautiful West Papuan lunch, great speakers, and then you've got the buffoon auctioning off some stuff to help uh, pay the rent. So that'll be great. Thank you very much. Ha, ha, See Kelly. you next week. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> democratically elected government was overthrown with the help of the United States. There are many Chileans in Australia who suffered torture, imprisonment and whose family members have been disappeared. We can't move forward as a society without healing these past crimes. The Chilean community, in partnership with the AMWU's International Solidarity Initiative, is holding a commemorative event for the 50th anniversary of Chile's coup, September 11, the day that changed us forever. Join generations of Chilean refugees, exiles and recent arrivals, together with Australian unionists and activists in the Solidarity Movement, for a night of testimonies, speakers, poetry and music. On Monday, September 11, from 6pm at Solidarity Hall at the Victorian Trades Hall, this event will be held in English and all are welcome. To register, search for Chile 50 Years on eventbrite.com.au. Chile, 50 years of solidarity and struggle. A 3CR supporter. Done by Law's legendary trivia night returns yet again to light up the social calendars of the best and brightest minds in Melbourne. Come down to Richmond Town Hall on Friday the 15th of September to raise much needed funds for the incredible 3CR. The night starts at 6.30pm and will feature awesome trivia capped off with a giant game of limbo and dancing. Get your tickets now, available on Humanitix on the 3CR website.
3CR needs members to survive. By becoming a subscriber, you're helping us to remain fiercely independent and free of commercials and corporate influence. Are you a paid-up subscriber? It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation, and $300 solidarity. Great value for 24-7 community-owned and community-controlled media. Please become a subscriber member today. Call the station on 03 9419 8377 or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.